create feedback loops. You know, simply at the end of every meeting, if you're the leader or the facilitator of the meeting, just ask, what worked? What didn't work? How can I do that better? How do you find the courage to try? Can you distill the clarity to start? What drives real commitment to keep going? Let's deconstruct complexity and make it simple. Let's learn how to take action and make progress. I'm Pete Seligman, and this is The Next Step. Welcome to my new podcast called The Next Step. My name's Pete Seligman, and I've got Monique here with me um, to talk about a project that she's starting at the moment. I was going to say going to start, but have started and will continue to pursue. And so what we're going to do today is pull that apart a bit and have a discussion around not only the steps that she's taking in relation to getting that project itself running, but also some of the steps that that project talks about that you can implement when you're at work or in your life or trying to make things happen. So, Monique, do you want to just quickly give us a bit of background on yourself and then kind of leap into kind of the context of the project that you're embarking on at the moment? Sure, thank you. Um, So, yeah, I'm Monique and... uh, I work in the telco industry, have done for 20 years, but I'm, I'm passionate about leadership and my purpose, without a doubt, is to help other people just become better and greater human beings. So that's what drives me every day. I have the grateful pleasure of working in an organisation, Focus Communications, that's a very values-driven organisation. So though I sell telephone systems and internet, every day I get to help human beings become better human beings, which is awesome. Yeah, great. Fantastic. And so I've only just recently met you and um, I've learnt a little bit of the background, but it's interesting sort of hearing you talk about your views on psychological safety in the workplace. And it's something that's really resonates with me because a lot of my career has been involved in trying to get people to speak up. I've spent a lot of time in the risk functions of various organisations, large and small, and the crux of trying to understand risk in an organisation is getting as best intelligence as you can from the organisation itself and from the people within that organisation. There's a certain amount of reporting you can do and there's a certain amount of data you can collect, but really it's all in their heads and in their hearts and that's where you're going to find the real juice of that. And I still don't think in all that time I've found the answer to unlocking that feeling of psychological safety within teams because... Even today in organisations that say they are open and that communication is free, there's always a certain amount of reservation. So can you tell us a bit about that project and what inspired you to think about starting it and then what actually got you started? Sure. I like to call it an experiment rather than a project. Good. I like it even better. It's an experiment because experiment means, you know, observation, learning, And then it has to be method and and result as well. So what inspired me to start thinking about it was TEDx. I was at TEDx earlier this year in Sydney. I've always wanted to get up on stage and and speak at TEDx. After TEDx, I was talking to a girlfriend. She said, well, what would you speak about? And so we started talking and we landed on really what we would like to speak about is just be able to share stories or or talk to us, talk to people like us who are in our mid-40s who are very successful, 
I've worked in corporations, but for whatever reason, I'm just going through the motions and we get busy doing mm. what we're doing and we're not finding purpose or meaning or feeling necessary belonging. And that then led to, well, how do you do that in a corporation? And the work I had heard about the work that Google had done, Project Aristotle, back in the 2000s, about the single attribute to high-performing teams, which was psychological safety, which led me to think, maybe that's it, that's it. The thing that's not happening in corporations, the reason people are going to and from work and just going about their days and not feeling like they're part of a team or a tribe or belonging or having purpose is because there's not psychological safety in the corporation. And is there a particular kind of size or industry or culture that is better or worse when it comes to psychological safety? Is there anything that you think is influencing it or do you think it's more of such a generic human trait that it's kind of pervasive across most environments? Yeah, I think that's an interesting question, right? Uh, today we hear we're at WeWork, a completely different environment to mm -hmm. focus communications that I work at, which is thousands of people and, you know, a very corporate structure. Would there be more psychological safety here than in my corporation? I don't know. I think it is an innate human trait where we are genuinely scared. We're scared to say what we think, even in our personal relationships. Mm. How often do we have thoughts? How often have you had that thought to say, oh, I really want to talk to my husband about that? You just think about it in your head and you never actually say it. So yeah. I actually think you're right. I think it's an innate human trait. It's pervasive wherever we are. And some of us have the privilege to be in a position where we can help others unlock that fear or mobilise that. Yeah, I think I can't remember the reference, so I'm not going to get it right. But there, there's been a lot of work done around kind of that sense of tribe. Mm. And actually to step outside the alignment with the tribe is quite a risky thing to do. Mm. And if you go back sort of tens of thousands of years, obviously you any disagreement is probably going to misalign you with the tribe. So it probably is actually built into us that you don't want to start to be seen as someone that's constantly disagreeing with what the general populace is saying because then you might be ostracised as part of that group. So, But that, I guess, if it is innate, then the challenge is that much harder because we're kind of completely competing against our DNA. So if the hill is that hard to climb, like we're literally trying to take a group of people that are comfortable in their approach of going with the flow, yeah, and getting them to step outside of that, how do you, and I guess this goes to one of my kind of core beliefs around how do you break things down into, and it's a bit of the engineer in me coming out, you know, if you've got a big problem, break it into its parts and then sort of address each at a time. How do you take that kind of big, hard to understand challenge of taking large groups and asking people to step outside the comfort zone and break it into sort of a sequence of steps? That they yeah, yeah I've, I've been thinking about this. I think there's five things that we can practically do and just implement in our everyday working lives that would help unlock that. One, interestingly, you, you said before, you know, if you step outside the tribe, then, you know, you, you're in conflict, essentially. I think that's the first one. There will be conflict. Get comfortable with conflict. And when conflict appears, ask the question, how could we solve this in a mutually beneficial way? Rather than to get defensive or to, to argue. Get comfortable. There will be conflict. So... When conflict arrives, find, ask yourself, how do we mutually 
um, solve this? What's the mutual benefit? Benefit. Create feedback loops. You know, simply at the end of every meeting, if you're the leader or the facilitator of the meeting, just ask, what worked? What didn't work? How can I do that better next time? The first time you do that, no one will say anything. But eventually, people will speak up and go, actually, I think we could do this better or I can. And that, that's what you want. Um, the third thing is, before you go into any kind of meeting, and yeah, I work in sales, so often you're meeting you know, CIOs or COOs and junior salespeople often find that very difficult. Just think, I'm talking to another human being and get in that space that, you know, he's a father or she's a mother or they have sons, they have daughters and have a human-to-human -human conversation. Uh, the fourth thing is practice under pressure, right? So practice your presentations, not so much about the presentation, but to be ready for the reaction or the objection so that you can um, overcome that and then fifthly you know measure it so I'm just gonna simply put a survey monkey out there and ask the question how comfortable do you feel on a scale from one to ten about raising an opinion that differs from you know the status quo or the leader making a mistake yeah. or, or providing a new idea how comfortable do you feel from one to ten to do those three things? Take a score. Six months later, after doing these simple five things, take a score again, see what the difference is. My belief is if the score rises, so will the performance of the team. We'll yeah. see. Wow. That's like that. I really like the simplicity of the approach because I think that a lot of people, um, and probably have done so in the past, have tried to address challenges or questions like this and thought, how can we construct like a really robust set of 150 questions around a targeted particular population and and that all gets so complex that you don't even take the first step forward whereas you've kind of just said i almost in a way don't care who responds just i want responses and i'm going to make the questions so easy that for them it's quick and also for you it's quick that's really amazing so have you launched that now and is it available for people to respond to now or are you doing it in groups where you'll go to particular teams or businesses yeah, so all i've done is put the idea out there on linkedin right and, yeah. and got got a response so there would be five or six people from different organizations who said yeah hey we want to be part of this yeah. um there are a group of leaders at focus who said hey we want to be part of this i think the next step is to bring that group together and have a conversation get very clear on what everybody thinks psychological safety is, have a conversation about, hey, these are the five things that I propose that are practical. Mm -hmm. What else could we do? And it'll roll from there. Fantastic. Well, I've got another few businesses I'm happy to add to the mix. So <laughs> we'll definitely be involved. It's interesting when you talk about those five steps, one thing that seemed to be a common theme when you were talking through those is... It's less about trying to take an approach that is going to narrow the field of the outcomes. And what I mean by that is how can we get people to speak up as opposed to let people speak up? And I think a lot of the approach that people take to situations like this, um, like you were relaying a story earlier today around someone you're speaking to around uh, about how does he get his team to contribute? I told them to contribute and they didn't as opposed to I let them contribute and they did. A lot of it has to do with vulnerability and a lot of it has to do with the vulnerability of the manager. Like I know having been a manager of large teams myself in the past, it's actually quite nerve-wracking to ask them what they think because in some ways if they tell you, 
it might expose you as having done something wrong. But secondly, it'll probably expose you to having to do something about it. <laughs> so <laughs> it's kind of easier to just not ask because then you won't have to have the uncomfortable conversation yeah. and there won't be this new thing you'll have to do that when you started you didn't have to do in the past. So it really does take a lot of courage from the leaders to put themselves out there um, and kind of invert that conversation a bit, doesn't it? I mean, how, how have you found people when you've been speaking to leaders about it What's the characteristic of the leaders that you think have responded positively to the experiment? Interestingly, I think it's often leaders who have struggled because they've either been promoted beyond necessarily their capability or they've been stretched or they've been put into a... to lead in a different place where they've never led before. And so in that moment, they're vulnerable anyway. And actually, they're going to become greater leaders. Mm. To your point, other than those who, I've got this covered, mate, you know, I'm the leader. Yeah. I know what's going on here. That leader is unlikely to actually break mm. through and create the space yeah. for the ideas to, to come up. So yeah. it's the people who are outside of their comfort zone. It's where everything happens, yeah. right? It's where the greatness yeah. or the magic Yeah. Yeah. Stealing mixed race. <laughs> so, so, so those people that are already putting themselves in a vulnerable place are more Correct. likely to the, to be those people that are willing to continue to Correct. be vulnerable. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So to use the Brene Brown kind of concept, it's the people in the arena that are going to be more likely to have a crack at it than yeah. those that aren't. And interestingly, probably those that are in the stands are going to be those people that are going to be shying away from and deliberately almost shooting down either the idea or the results because it's going to be exposing them to have to change in a way that they're not going to be comfortable to change. Yeah, yeah. this stuff is difficult. It's yeah. not easy to have a heartfelt conversation in a corporation. For whatever reason, people think those two things are different. They're not. Mm. It's life. Yeah. Right? And so I think that's what makes me the leader that I am because I, I have heartfelt conversations. Mm. Mm. I live life. Yeah. I happen to work, but yeah. today is life. Yeah, it's this real. It's real. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah, It is real. And, but it's like it, one of my, and I, I've come across this word only in the last couple of years, but one of my favourite words is sonder. Um, have you heard of the word sonder? So I don't know if it's actually even defined in the urban dictionary or the real dictionary, but we can check that out. But basically the concept of sonder is that every single individual that you interact with actually has a whole rich tapestry of life of their own. You know, it's quite easy for people to think that life is all seen through their own lens, whereas every single other individual has their own complete picture of life around them. And I think that understanding that and understanding the implications on every individual suddenly then brings out a whole view that in relation to the concept of fear and fear of speaking up and um, psychological safety, it's not a, something you can just tell a group of people to do. It's something that a whole group of individuals need to do in their own right. Yeah. So, so, yeah, no, I completely agree. I could talk about this, as I said before, for hours because there's so many situations that I've been in, both in the past and even to this day, even examples that I've got from yesterday that kind of resonated with this. But to wrap things up, what do you think 
in the experience if you step outside the context of exactly the experiment that you're embarking on now and think about the experiment as something that you decided you wanted to do and now have started to put steps in place to do, what do you think you've learnt about making progress and just starting that you can crystallise into something that, that you can carry forward and, and apply in other situations? I mean, Nike, just do it, right? Yeah. One of my, my posts on LinkedIn was me having a realisation. There was a problem at work and there was an amount of capital that I needed to get approval for a digitisation project. And I got so stuck in the business case and the benefits and then one day I just picked up the phone to a friend in a digital agency and said, hey, I've got this project, I just can you come in and let's have a talk about it? And in that moment, the project started and, yeah. and, yeah. and we moved yeah. forward and then the business yeah. case came. But I could have spent weeks getting tied up in the business case and getting the right approvals. And I'm not saying that there isn't a place for process and approvals because, mm. of course, there is. But sometimes just pick up the phone, just have a conversation. Nothing hurts about having a conversation. It's, you're not breaching any policy if you're mm. just having a conversation. Mm. And momentum... Once you just do it and there's momentum, you can't stop it. Mm. Yeah, and that first step suddenly leads to the next one. Next one. And, the next and before one. you know it, you look back and you're 10 steps in and you didn't realise how easy it was to get to that point, which is kind of similar. I guess one of the things we've, we've been kind of partners in absentia over the last six months going through this journey, kind of being courageous around starting to create content. And I think that that's, it sounds like from discussions I've heard you have that um, you know those first few steps of really putting yourself out there can be quite challenging, but once you get going, then the momentum really really gathers. Um, and I think that that's one thing that I'm really trying to encourage people to do, sort of in our businesses and also um, with the business owners that we work with quite often, is just look at how you can break it down into the first step and then mm, the next right. step and then the next step, and little bites actually lead to lead to real progress. Which is the agile methodology, right? You know, yeah. which is hard sometimes to shift our mindset we're in a performance culture where we're taught to think about the outcome but actually maybe we don't know what the outcome is yes yeah. <laughs> and, and we shouldn't get attached to the outcome because the moment we're attached to the outcome it removes the creativity in the process yeah. right because you're like i've got to get that yeah. yeah 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 no, fantastic. Well, we'll wrap it up there because, sure. as I said, I could go for a long time. But it would be really interesting to catch up with you again in a couple of months after the experiment has kind of percolated a bit further and also learn a bit about what either me and my businesses or any other people can do to participate because I think there'd be a bunch of people who'd be really keen to get on board. So what I might do is get some information from you and sort of share that as part of as part of this post as well. Yeah, right. I'd love to. See, there you Excellent. go, momentum. It there can't you go. stop now. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> and like you say, you've told people about it, so now you have to now do it. Now I have it. to do it. <laughs> so fantastic. So thanks very much for listening and watching potentially. This is the Next Step podcast and we're focused on making sure that you make progress one step at a time.